Today on Follow Friday, we're going to talk about Japanese TV shows, Homing Pigeons, Gollum, the San Antonio Spurs, and NFTs. That's in a minute with Gavin Purcell, the host of Way Too Interested. But first, today's show is brought to you by The Edit from Timber. The Edit connects podcasters with industry professionals who will listen to their work and give them great constructive feedback. Check them out at followfriday.net slash timber. Also, time is running out to claim your sheet of official Follow Friday stickers. Everyone pledging at least $5 on the Patreon as of Sunday, October 31st is eligible, which means you only have three days left. Go to patreon.com slash follow Friday for all the details. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Hey. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. So now right away. With no further delay. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, the podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. If this is your first episode of the show, please take a moment now and follow or subscribe to Follow Friday in your podcast app. It's free, and you'll get fresh interviews with your favorite creators every week. Today on the show is Gavin Purcell. He's an Emmy-winning showrunner, writer, and producer who's worked at places like The Tonight Show, Hulu, and Vox Media. And his most recent project is a podcast that I've been editing behind the scenes, which I absolutely adore. It's called Way Too Interested. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But since you're already subscribing to Follow Friday, go ahead and do the same for Way Too Interested. It's available in all the same places. You will not regret it. You can find Gavin on Twitter at Gavin Purcell, and Purcell is spelled P-U-R-C-E-L-L. Gavin, welcome to Follow Friday. Hey, thanks so much. This is really fun to do this because I've been listening to the, the show for a while, really since the beginning, and, and obviously getting to know you, but I, I, I'm, I'm super psyched to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. For people who haven't listened to it yet, explain what Way Too Interested is and talk about some of the guests that you've had on the show. Yeah, so uh, way too interesting kind of grew out of my desire to want to get back into long form interviewing. And I love that. But also, like, as, as Eric and I have talked about, there are so many people out there doing the blank blank show where you just bring somebody on and they talk about their lives or they talk about something. So as a TV producer and a writer, I kind of thought about format a little bit. And I wanted to kind of dig in on something that I really find fascinating, which is people's like side obsessions. Like everybody has this, everybody has something and it might be fleeting or it might be something you've thought about for your entire life, but everybody has something that they're like fascinated with. In the mid 2000s, back in like the the pre, you know, the prime web 2.0 era, I like I was really interested in Japanese TV and I have been for a while. And this was back in like YouTube, early YouTube days. And I started a website just cause like, you know what? I was working at G4 at the time, G4 Media. I was running a show called Attack of the Show, which is a very oh, yeah. nerdy, fun thing. Yeah, yeah, remember that, yeah. <laughs> very important to my generation, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I was like, I wanna do something on my own. So I, I was like, I love Japanese TV. YouTube was like this weird wild west where like all this stuff was getting uploaded. And I started like, paying attention to it. And then I started a blog and the blog got really successful and it almost became like a completely separate part of my life. Like I almost took that pathway of my career and then I got an offer to go to New York and work on the tonight or what was late night with Jimmy Fallon. And that kind of brought me back to TV. But 
I guess my theory with this in general is that by doing and pursuing these things that are these side obsessions, they will open up so much more in our brains and kind of like really introduce um, things that we we know we like, but we don't know could be something, a bigger part of our lives. So that's why I wanted to do the show. Uh, going back to the format thing, I wanted to be able to also bring in really people that I thought were interesting. So the basic format of the show is I talk to people that I find interesting, and these could be kind of like guests on this show, celebrities, comedians, writers, educators, politicians. We've got a, um, a MacArthur fellow coming up, a, a musician, a professor of music, like stuff like that. Um, but they then pick a topic that they're super fascinated or obsessed with. So a good example of this is we just had my friend Felicia Day on the show, and I love Felicia. She's not, She and I have known each other for a very long time. Super smart, incredibly funny, obviously an amazing actress, but also just a super curious person. And her topic was um, the real origins of Bible stories, which is, you know, a pretty deep topic. And we got a woman on um, as an expert, Dr. Malka Simkovich, um, who's a uh, professor of Jewish studies. I'm not sure what school it's at, but she's a professor of Jewish studies. So the first half of the show is always me talking to the guest, my, my interesting guest, about their topic, why they're interested in it, a little bit about their discovery process, how they find things. And then the second half of the show is the two of us. It really the get my guest first and foremost asking questions of an expert so not only do you learn like what these interesting people are fascinated with but then you learn a lot more about the thing itself so that that's kind of the gestation of it and why i wanted to do it yeah and it's one of those things where it's really especially when you have someone like felicia day or in a previous episode you had roy wood jr from the daily show you've, you've got a lot of famous friends kevin and <laughs> i think there's something really inspiring or satisfying about if you're listening to someone who's an established quantity, a celebrity, a known name out there, hearing them be curious and asking questions and say, hey, I don't know this or I want to know more about this. I think it's a really important message, right? It's, it sets an important model for other people to follow of just like, hey, I could be asking questions like this in my own life. Um, and I think Absolutely. that's something we definitely need more of. Uh, to me, it's all about self-exploration, right? Like that's the one thing that I believe that all human beings need. We all need to explore ourselves a little bit more. Like one of the things I think is the worst thing as a, as a human, no matter who you are, is kind of getting stuck in a rut. And ruts are really easy to get stuck in in this world. Like you can get in cycles of I'm going to check Twitter, I'm going to check Facebook, I'm going to think about this thing. But if you dive deep into one thing, and we'll talk a little bit about something that I'm, I'm deep in right now, and it's, it's kind of frightening sometimes how deep you can go in, but if you dive <laughs> deep in, your brain starts popping in these ways that don't normally, it doesn't normally pop, and you bring in all these influence in, and suddenly you're changed, right? And like that's the goal of everybody's life is evolve and change, because if you don't evolve and change, you, you remain a static person, you can get left behind, not only by like, you know, the world, but you can kind of get left behind of your own potential. Like my thing is we are all constantly changing and we have to kind of keep up with that. And if we don't, it, it, it can, you can start to feel there's a depression that can fit it, sit in because I don't think it's a natural state not to change. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. All right. Well, let's find out who Gavin Purcell follows online. You can follow along with us today. Every person he recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com. It's Friday. Gavin, before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category, someone super talented who is still under the radar. And you said Zito Madu, who is on Twitter at underscore Zietz, and Zietz is spelled Z-E-E-T-S. 
So Zito is a former staff writer for SB Nation, which is part of Vox Media, where we both used to work. Is that how you first met? I worked at Vox Media for a pretty short amount of time. It's where I met you as well, originally. I worked there for six months, but and Zito and I actually never met there, but I knew um, a woman named Elena Bergeron who was running SB Nation at the time. My job there was the head of video across the company, so like I dipped into all the different uh, places. But she was the one who first said, hey, you should check out Zito, super smart, really, really good writer. And I was like, okay, good. And that's when I followed at Zeeds. And here's the thing about Zito. Um, by the way, I will say, and Eric knows this, but like he's an upcoming guest on, on, on my show uh, because I find him so interesting. Zito is an incredible writer, first and foremost, is a big sports fan, obviously. He works at SB Nation, like does a lot of good sports writing. But the thing that I love about him and his Twitter feed is that he tweets about poetry. And it's very rare. And, and I, you know, I'm not I'm not like a giant poetry head. Like I'm not a person that like spends like hours per day writing reading poetry. I like it. I find it interesting. And what I like about it on Twitter is it breaks up a lot of other stuff, right? Like one of the things I try to do on Twitter is consciously be aware of what's coming through my feed all the time. And Zito's stuff always breaks with whatever the main thing is. You know, every once in a while he's writing about what other people are, but I really think he's writing super interesting stuff about things that other people don't share. And to me, that's what Twitter, the most balanced version of Twitter is, right? Like, I, I think one of the things that I find about Twitter that's interesting is there are certain people that really dive deep on one specific vertical, let's say, and they get really good at like joke writing or they get really good at like, you know, um, uh, political observations. God help us all. We don't need any more of those people. But uh, I, my Twitter experience has always been, and you know, I've been on it for so long now, like 15 years, but my Twitter experience has always been, I'm going to say what I'm going to say and be interested in the things that I'm interested in and try to curate a Twitter feed that feels that way too. And I just think Zito's a very smart guy. He writes about things I'm curious about and interested about, and they're not the things that other people write about, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And yeah, I was looking at some of the stuff that he's written in the past. He, so he used to be at SB Nation. He's written for other magazines and outlets all over the place. And it's it's really fascinating because there's a lot of clearly intentional choices about about what he's written about. So you mentioned big on poetry he's written about like anime obviously lots about sports um and i really love that when you come across someone who is not just putting themselves in one lane right really talented writer like zito could just only write about sports or only you know talk about poetry or whatever but i like the fact and you see this when you look at his twitter as well is the fact that you there is a lot of poetry but there's also a lot of other stuff happening and and really you know as you're saying it's it's a reflection of the person whatever he tweets about he tweets about um and so that's something that's just really i don't know i i really appreciate it because everyone a lot of people these days are treating social media as just a marketing exercise where it's just to have to stay on message stay on brand whenever they're talking about stuff and i just love it so much when you follow someone like zito who has a wide range of interests and is sharing those with the world you know that, i mean that's i mean this is the thing i wanted to get i think probably all of, most of these picks are that way i think that twitter forked at some point and maybe the fork was the politic political talk of you know 2015 and 2016 but it used to be a place where you would explore all sorts of different things and now it's become very much what you're saying i feel like which is like there's these people who are writing or thinking about a very specific thing like this is my quote-unquote brand and to me it ruins the experience but the beauty of twitter is that you can curate whatever you want right and zito is one of those people that i totally put into that mix 
So you did not meet when you were both working at Vox, but have you met since then? I I, I don't know if we, we you, you already mentioned that he's going to be an upcoming guest on on Way Too Interested, but had had you ever did you ever cross paths before recording that episode? No, it never crossed paths. In fact, the first time I think I saw him physically, or not even physically, virtually, was in the recording of uh, the video recording of the podcast. So I hope to meet him at some point. Like he's doing a really cool thing, which if you listen to the podcast, I'll talk a little bit about. He's, you know, he's writing a novel, I think, about Venice, Italy and like has spent some time there and is doing a lot of interesting things. And and I hope to hang out with him at some point. Um, I'm in L.A. and I think he's in Detroit now, so it might be hard. But maybe maybe there'll be some conference where we can go. (laughs) Well, maybe I'll create the way too interested uh, uh, conference and we can bring all the guests out. We can hang out. I mean, that, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, do, you, do we want to, to spoil what Zito's topic, what topic he is way too interested in? Oh, yeah, I would love to. I mean, this was a super I, one of the things I love about this show is that I, every single topic I'm getting, I, I'm shocked at how fascinating it is. I know this is, shouldn't be that surprising, but like, again, when you go deep on anything, it's interesting. So Zito picked, which I never would have expected anybody to pick this one, animal navigation, which you think about it, it's like you read about how like pigeons, homing pigeons can go from place to place. And it's interesting. But it was so fascinating, you know, and we got a guest, an expert who wrote a book called Super Navigators, who is a British science writer. And the stories we heard in that episode, like I couldn't believe what was what was possible. Right. You know, like that there are dung beetles that use the stars to navigate with like things like that just blew me away. And like, that's just a good example of like, I also would never have expected Zito himself, knowing his feed was interested in that. And that's like the beauty of kind of exploring it. We all have those hidden depths. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that was Zito Madu, who's on Twitter at underscore Zietz. It's Final Friday. Gavin, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone who inspires you, and you said Code Miko, which is on YouTube at Code Miko, C-O-D-E-M-I-K-O. And they're also on Twitter at The Code Miko. Let me read their bio on YouTube to start. <laughs> I'm Miko, an NPC game character traveling through different game worlds. I'm currently living in The Sims world. I'm a bit glitchy. I think I suffer from what you guys call multiple personality disorder, but I won't let that stop me from making new friends across dimensions. <laughs> so, this is kind of heady stuff, but let's Did you let's watch start. it? Did you see did you see what it did you did you watch any of yeah, it? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I watched okay. some of this. I watched some of the YouTube videos. Um for people who have not seen them, am I correct in in summarizing this as a virtual alter ego? Does that does that sound fair? Technically, this is what I think is known as a VTuber in some form. Do you know what a VTuber is? A VTuber is like a virtual YouTuber that, and it's a thing that's been around for maybe three or four years. It's, you know, it started pretty recently, but the basic idea, it's, it's a human being who is, um, acting as a virtual character and the virtual, you don't see the human being. The actual person is essentially a graphically represented character. And in this case, pretty significant graphic representation. Sometimes it's like, you know, just an anime character, very cartoony, but this looks like almost like a, uh, a CGI, pretty high end CGI character in an interesting way. And I think it seems based on what I've watched, it seems like they've got it set up where maybe a camera is pointing at the person controlling Miko and it's updating in real time their or her um, expressions. It's, it's capturing the, their voice and it, it's, it's applying that onto the character so that she actually seems to be, you know, uh, like a, a living thing. Exactly. And I, the reason I picked this as like an inspiring one is that I love 
people that are doing things in this space that feel totally unique and interesting. And I think I would also pick this, this, she makes me laugh a lot. It's very like, it's pretty raunchy and, and goofy. So if you know, it's one of those things you gotta be a little like, it's it's definitely like edges on the, you know, kind of like more adult humor rather than like, don't, don't necessarily send your, you know, preteens to watch this. Would you rather beat off a hundred chicken sized horses or beat off one horse sized chicken? Horse sized chicken. I want to see how much comes out of that thing comes out you're beating them yeah beating you said beat off yeah like beat like punch okay well this was a trick question the cool thing about this is this is a a woman who went and bought a you know spent a little bit of money on a motion capture suit and she does this all in real time so there's a video you can see um, where it's split screen and you see her and she's actually interacting in real time. And, and to me, that's super inspiring because this is a person that's essentially doing this very, what used to be a super high-end production thing, almost entirely on her own. And she's really funny at it. Like one of the things this reminds me of a lot, which I don't know, Eric, if you ever saw this and there's a show called Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which was oh, like yeah. the first, yeah, right? Which was like on the first, swim. yeah, yeah. And one of the first adult swim shows. And it was a similar setup where like, you know, Space Ghost was animated, but he was talking to real people in a TV. And Miko often does that too. Um, also, Miko is a big, she's, I think Twitch is where she jumped off from originally and still streams there. So that's also a Twitch thing. But like, she's just very funny and she has a personality all her own. But the inspirational part of me was like, God, I love seeing when people can grab an idea and just execute it so well, almost entirely on their own, right? Like, and this is one of those things that's almost, it was impossible 20 years ago and the internet has made possible. Um, and, and you know, this is a good example of podcasts too, right? Like I, I am a TV producer and writer and I've worked on shows where there are like a hundred people that are working with me or working under me. This is a thing I wanted to do really, really small on purpose to see what we could do. And I thankfully I had help from you, but also like, just being able to create something on your own and then seeing the quality level that Nico does, it just, it blew me away. So it was very inspiring. I didn't realize that it was a motion capture suit. That, I mean, that's that's really crazy. I mean, I remember watching the special features for like the Lord of the Rings DVDs back in the day and just, wow, motion capture, you know, this really advanced technology they used to create Gollum and, you know, the millions and millions of dollars they're spending and just the, the cost and the accessibility of this technology has fallen so much recently. Um, uh, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, amazing. I um, also think, it, ro, 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 sorry, I was going to say one last thing. I think oh, the other thing I think that's interesting and inspiring about Miko is one of the things I'm really interested in the idea of the next probably 10 to 20 years is identity and virtual identities especially, right? Like the idea of like, what does it feel like to create a virtual identity? What does it feel like to embody a virtual identity? You know, for better or for worse, we're coming to a place where we're likely going to have some sort of graphical interface in our eyes, whether it's glasses or something else. And that's going to change. I'm also a big science fiction fan. Um, you know, there's a lot of science fiction writers that have written about worlds that um, allow you to basically portray yourself as whoever you want to be to anybody else. And Miko is like, you can see, you're like, oh, crap, that's what it's going to be like. You know what I mean? Like, you can be anybody, essentially, and that's going to change the way we interact with each other in a significant way. And it's like a little sneak peek into what that looks like. To some people, that's super scary. To me... I kind of don't try to be scared about things like that because it's coming anyway. So then it's like, how do you, how do you kind of embrace it in a way that feels human and warm and, and not like cold and, and that you're pushing it away, if that makes sense.
Yeah, sort of like, uh, I guess this is kind of the Ready Player One thing, right? Where um, in the real world, which is like this post-apocalyptic, you know, economic hellscape, you know, the main character of the book and the, I guess the movie as well, is kind of a loser and is not, you know, doesn't have a very good life, but then is able to kind of have this power fantasy of becoming a virtual character in the Oasis, you know? Um, and and so, so like, yeah, do, do you see, do you, do you think that, VTubers like Miko, these virtual avatars taking the place of real creators. Do you think that that's going to become like a more and more common thing? Or do you think this is just like a really interesting niche? Because I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds where I like, I agree that it's really exciting and interesting that people are do, doing this. But I'm also like, I, I'm wondering what the case is for should this actually, you know, take over? Should this supplant? Uh, other types of of broadcasting, other types of creation. I I don't know. I mean, I just think some people are more comfortable creating outside of themselves, if that makes sense. And I think that to me, that's the that's the thing that we have to be open to. Like, I, I mean, there's the worst part of this. Obviously, there's that episode of Black Mirror. I think it was one of the first ones where like they created the the fake pig politician that ended up like running. And that's like that's the dystopian version of this. But I do believe that like. Even, you know, a simple situation where you you have either a gamer tag or you're on Discord or somewhere else, like as somebody else, like it allows you a freedom to be a different version of yourself. And I don't think most of the time it's a worse version of yourself. Sometimes I think it can open up things for other people. I know there's been a lot of conversation about anonymity on the internet and what it means. You know, some people, it's definitely allowed a lot of hate speech and terrible things. But also I do believe like anonymity in certain ways can open up different aspects of people's personalities, you know, especially people who have social anxiety disorders or or things that allow them to kind of open up themselves to different open up their personalities, different aspects of it when they're interacting in that way. So I don't think it's going to take over. Now, do I think like in a deep fake episode, like, do I think there's going to be virtual stars in the future that will be as big as actual stars? Yes. I think that's a, that's a given. I don't think there's any way around it at this point, but I think, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I also think it's just change. Again, it goes back to like, you can give it a bad or a good designation, but it's still just change and you're going to have to deal with it eventually. So like get comfortable with it and then kind of understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't, can't uh, was it like sweep the ocean or, or whatever it is. P- people try and trying to <laughs> yeah, exactly. keep the tide from coming in with a broom. Yeah. The, the deep fakes episode you were mentioning is, is an ep- episode of which you're interested where Rex Sergatz, your guest, uh, he predicts that a dead actor will win an Oscar within 20 years, which is mind-blowing <laughs> it's crazy and it, it, the question i have is like is it the dead oct- actor who wins or is it the the is it the new actor who used the dead actor's ip on them you know or do right. you have to their give it to both their voice. You know? yeah right. exactly exactly it's wild yeah well did you follow any other vtubers beside uh Kobe, besides you know Kobe it's Mika? funny not really only because like i think my I tend to find things kind of in individual pockets and then go deep on them. I haven't really explored the whole VTuber world. I, I did play around with the software a little bit of how like there's a, there's an off the shelf software that anybody can do it if you play around with it, but wow. not 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 necessarily. Uh, Code Miko is the one that kind of followed mostly. Well, that was Code Miko, who was on YouTube at Code Miko, C O D E M I K O. We are going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Gavin Purcell from Way Too Interested. Today's show is brought to you by The Edit from Timber. 
If you have a podcast, you're probably really proud of what you've made, and that is great. You should be. Creating something new is always wonderful, but that doesn't mean you can't make it better. And the edit from Timber can help. For only $20 a month, you'll get constructive feedback on your podcast from industry professionals like Sky Pillsbury, Jenna Spinell, Shruti Ravindran, and me, Eric Johnson. Sign up today at followfriday.net slash timber. That's followfriday.net slash T-I-M-B-E-R. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Gavin, I asked you to tell me about someone you don't know but want to be friends with, and you said Shay Serrano, who is on Twitter at Shay Serrano, which is spelled S-H-E-A-S-E-R-R-A-N-O. Shay is a podcaster, writer for The Ringer, best-selling author of books about basketball, movies, and hip-hop. Why do you want to be friends with him? So technically, we are Twitter friends, like we follow <laughs> each other, but and we've, we've exchanged, but I've never met him in person. I, I don't know, it's hard to explain... Those who follow Shay know his Twitter voice and it is special, right? Like it goes back to what I was saying with Zito, like he is himself and he makes me laugh. It's very funny. I'm not a giant, um, I, I'm a more of a, I'm a sports fan, but I'm a football fan, not a, not a basketball fan, but reading his tweets about this, the San Antonio Spurs and all the stuff there, I just know that he's a funny guy and it would be a fun person to hang out with. And also like, I've listened to a couple of his podcasts. He has a new podcast called No Skips, which he talks about um, uh, specific hip hop albums and all sorts of things. I also think going back to what we were saying before, he's just really good at being himself. And this is something that's really, I'm a, I, it's hard to explain because it used to be like this cliche in this world of like being genuine, right? Like that was the whole thing. I, you know this, you, like in the social media 2008 to 2011 world, there was this whole influencer influencer world was just like, you have to be genuine, you have to be yourself. And it was like this kind of like cliche, but the fucking, the funny thing is like, it, it, the people who have lasted this long and I still am a fan of, they have been, right? Like right. Shay has never tried to be something other than Shay. And that's the thing that I admire most. And I think I can tell in his personality, just the way he talks about his kids and his family, that we would be friends. Now the question is like, do we ever have a chance to hang out? I don't know, but that's what's beautiful about Twitter is that like I get a chance to kind of see him and kind of have that interaction. So I don't know, he's definitely uh, up there with one of those people on Twitter that I think would be fun to be friends with. And a stealth recommendation, which is buying one of Shay's ebooks, which I think is on Gumroad, I think is the platform, uh, because when you buy one of his books, you get put on a mailing list where sometimes it'll be like promotional stuff about, hey, pre-order my new book, whatever. But he will just drop these devastatingly hilarious little stories about his family uh, to, to the mailing list every, you know, couple months or whatever. And it is one of like my like favorite email lists. And it's literally just, it's a promotional, it's a marketing email list for, for books and eBooks, but he's such a good writer and he's so funny. Um, I just, I, I really love following Shay. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot to talk about his writing because his books are amazing. His books about hip hop are great. And he works with an incredible illustrator, um, Arturo, Arturo Torres, and like, it's like they've created this brand now, right? Like this really cool thing, but you're right. His writing is super funny. Like it's not just about like, it goes deep on hip hop. It goes deep on sports, but it's just really funny. And it's, it's purely him. It goes back to that same thing. It's like, he's got a voice. He figured out what his voice is and he's doubled down on it. And that's like, that's all I want to read. I want to read people's voices, right? Like I, it's really hard when you're trying to figure out what your own voice is. I remember this, like writing screenplays or writing novels of my own, like trying to be like, what do, what do I sound like? And 
a lot of it is just growth, right? Like you just have to kind of grow into it and keep doing it. But Shay, that's the other thing about Shay is like, he's done it a lot. He keeps doing it and he keeps trying and he, and he keeps making stuff. So I'm a big fan of him. Yeah. And, and he uses his platform to inspire people to uplift them. I mean, I, I think, I think it's something that from the outside, if you don't, work in media or if you don't have a lot of followers you know you could easily take it for granted but i think he puts a lot of energy he puts a lot of himself into taking in a lot of inbound you know attention and and redirecting in a really positive way out into the world i 100 he gives back a ton and that's a, that's something i've been trying to do more myself is like how can i give back to the world at large and it's not it's not easy unless you make a thing of it right like you really have to like kind of make it important in your life yeah I think so. Uh, a few months ago, um, I saw that you and Shay followed each other on Twitter. And so I was like, hey, Gavin, can you introduce me? Because he's been on my wish list for Follow Friday since the beginning. Uh, unfortunately, I guess you guys don't actually know each other. You're, ju- you're just Twitter friends. But Hey, Shay, maybe this is it. Shay, if you're yeah. listening, come on Follow Friday. Two for one deal. New friend and you get to come on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, well, after you guys become friends... First thing you're going to do is introduce me. Second thing you do, what, what, what do you want to do with Shay when you're hanging out with him? Well, I, I'd love to watch a basketball game with him. I'm sure it's got to be fascinating. I would have to watch. Well, you know, actually, here's what I want to do. Yeah. I would want to go back and watch like the Tim Duncan era Spurs game with him because I think he would probably, knowing Shay uh, from his writings, he's probably gone so in depth on these games that he's got comments on every five seconds like loaded <laughs> up in his brain. So I think it would be just the, the most fun to watch. Um, so that would be the most fun to do. In fact, Shay, you should do that as a business. Like go sell like a, a, a cast version of yourself watching old uh, San Antonio Spurs games. <laughs> be like Mystery Science Theater 3000. Exactly, just but for old NBA, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's working for it's working for the Manning brothers. It's, they're doing. I don't know if you if you know that, but the yeah, uh, Peyton yeah. and, and yeah, Eli Manning are doing amazing work on Monday Night Football. So I think that's going to be a business that takes off in a crazy way. All right. Well, see, see, we've offered Shay so much. You've got a new friend and a podcast and a new business venture. You know, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Shay Serrano, who is on Twitter at Shay Serrano. Definitely follow him. He's amazing. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Gavin, I asked you for someone who's an expert in a very specific niche you love, and you said Brian Brinkman, who is on Twitter at Brian Brinkman, and Brian is spelled with a Y. I saved this one for the, for the end because I feel like we're going to go along on this. Uh, Brian is an artist and an animator, but you specifically chose him because he's an expert in what? Well, okay, I want to, I want I got to give one quick, uh, uh, warning is the wrong word, but like, <laughs> Uh, so I, th- he's an expert in NFTs, right? Yes. So uh, specifically, he's not necessarily an expert, but he is a, a an incredible artist who has been doing it for a while. Um, that the warning quote or, or like kind of like thing I want to be aware of is that like obviously NFTs are a divisive conversation for some people because of the environmental impact of the crypto world in general, right? And I think that obviously the other thing about NFTs and crypto is there is a very heavy like bro culture that people I think rightly feel. And I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about Brian with is that I think that is the NFT part of that is shifting the conversation slightly. Okay. Um, So, okay. Brian is the, the funny thing about Brian is Brian was actually, I think a day one employee, maybe first couple months employee of late night with Jimmy Fallon. Really? Um, He was our second graphics artist um, he was, he's been there from, for a very long time, was there for a very long time. 
and is a just a genuinely good human being. Like one of these people that like when you meet him, super charming, super fun. And I didn't know this, but across the like the last, you know, so that was whatever. That was 2009 that we launched that show. So I think, you know, and I was there through 2016. And I think around that time is when he started dabbling in this kind of world, maybe a little bit later because the world kind of blew up a little bit later. But um, uh he got into NFTs as an artist and he's always been a visual artist. Like as a graphic artist for a TV show, obviously your job is you're making graphics that go along with the TV show, but he's also obviously been a drawer. He, he went to art school. He did a bunch of things. He smartly kind of saw what this world was, which, you know, just for the audio listeners who don't know this, I'm sure most people in this world kind of do in, in your listeners, but an NFT is called a non-fungible token. It is a smart contract version of a piece of art so that if you create a piece of art, you can publicly track who owns it and where it goes. The big thing for artists that this has done, especially for artists who make digital art, is it's added scarcity back into their art so that their art can be valued at a higher level. So it's the equivalent of I, as if I had the physical version of a painting. There's only yes. one original one. There may be prints of it. There, there, yes. there may be the same image may be reproduced, but there's some sense of ownership of this one belongs to me, right? That's right. And and the 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 really cool thing that so getting back to Brian, Brian um and I talked about this world, you know, cuz I knew that he was big on it and he kind of like walked me through what was interesting about it. And one of the things I think that a lot of people don't understand about the NFT world that I've started to kind of learn a lot more about is part of it is about artists getting paid for things after they've sold originally, right? So like one of the things that's super interesting to me about this space is that an, an NFT will sell and it will sell for, let's say, $1,000. Um, now, if a piece of art sells for $1,000, the artist gets a certain amount of money and the gallery gets a certain amount of money if it's a, it's a gallery art. So you're already splitting that. So like, say the artist makes $500. That's the end of the money the artist makes on the piece of art, right? Unless, they've, uh, unless they're big enough where they can like, you know, copyright their art or they can make a series of prints based on that art, that art now goes to the owner of the art, right? And if that in 10 years, that art is worth $50,000, the original artist gets nothing. You know, this is why like, you know, Picasso or all these people that the, the, the owners of the art. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So oh, Picasso didn't die poor. I think Picasso okay. did okay. <laughs> Picasso <laughs> did okay. But, you know, but anyway, I think it's why the idea of collecting art before was like, if I collect a piece of art, I own it, which is the same thing with NFTs. But the benefit is because it's based on a smart contract, you can bake in a thing into the smart contract so that every time a piece of art sells, mm -hmm. the artist makes 10% of that of that sale. So imagine a world where an artist sells a, a piece of art for, you know, $5,000 and that's a big win for them. That's great. Then that collector picks up a piece of art and then like, you know, six months later it sells for $50,000. Well, when it sells for $50,000, the artist then makes $5,000 again. And that's a huge difference. Um, I, I think that essentially the artist is getting paid. The reason why this world is super interesting to me is that you know, the tech companies have created these like four companies that are all worth like a trillion dollars. I think that this thing, this small little idea, and it's not, I mean, it's not small, but it's like this idea of like ownership of stuff that can now be distributed across a much bigger, broad spectrum could really start to change where the value lands in the overall digital perspective. Like, so that like in case, you know, we can all share in value rather than one company holding the value. Like if the web 2.0 world was really about us as users creating value for these big tech companies, there's a world in which they call this, you know, the NFT world, web 3.0. There's a world in which this world could be about creating value more for ourselves or people that we're directly connected to. So anyway, that's a long way to get around talking about Brian, who is 
a, an educator in this space. Yeah, I was going to ask. Is, is he, he's advocating for? Yes, it's not just yes. he's creating art for it. He's also like, what, what is what does being an educator look like well, in this space? I, I think in one way, you know, his Twitter handle. He does an incredible job of uplifting younger artists and artists, uh, um, female artists, artists of of color, artists of all sorts of different people. And he's actively trying to share and bring forward different sorts of arts in this space. Because if you're familiar with this at all with this space, there are, you know, there's a there's a there's a group called the Board Ape Yacht Club, which is like this, you know, they're like these apes, and there are ten thousand of them, and they're all worth like a fortune. <laughs> um, but that has become like this kind of like status symbol type of NFT. Um, Brian is doing a great job of like helping lift up younger um, animators or people that aren't getting seen as much and kind of like helping promote them. And I think that's super admirable. The other thing he's done is he's working at, I don't know exactly the details on this, but I know he's working on a lot of charity based NFTs so that like, you know, you buy into something and then a significant amount of the portion of the money goes to a charity or goes to a cause. Also, it's just cool to see like a guy that I knew from Fallon just do really well, right? And and, yeah. and be able to kind of take off and and you know he just had an auction at Christie's, I think. So it's like wow. you know he's he yeah it really moved up for him in a lot of ways. So I guess the thing that I, I I hear totally what you're saying about like giving the artists the value, letting them you know all of, all of the things you're saying about the value of NFTs that inherently makes sense to me. I guess where I kind of fall off the train is the connection to cryptocurrencies, right? Like, as you mentioned, mining cryptocurrencies, very bad for the environment. So it's very controversial. And there is a whole culture, crypto bros, which I'm not personally a fan of. Um, So why is it that NFTs and crypto have to be connected? Like, what couldn't we do a similar thing with the same benefits for the artist uh, and for ownership and things like that? Why does this necessarily have to be connected to, to, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies? Is it just because of the way the blockchain works? I think it is. I mean, but I think that's a really good question, right? Like, I think this is why, like, it opens the door about, like, it's an economics question in a fascinating world. It's also yeah. a little bit of a question about culture and society. Um, I will say there are, there are the good news about the, the, about, you know, crypto. And I will say I'm not an expert on this. And I know whenever anybody says that word, it throws people into crazy world. And I felt that way for a long time too. So it's not like I'm coming at this from like a full blown evangelist position. There are new chains in the world of cryptocurrency that are much, much better for the environment. Specifically, there's a really interesting chain called Tezos, which is where a lot of artists are minting their work now. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a there's a website called, oh my God, I'll never remember how to pronounce this, but people call it Hen. It's called like heck on something, but it's like a, it is a specific website created where like a lot of artists put their work for that specific reason, because it's about, it's a much healthier for the environment sort of situation. To get back to your question, I mean, I think that the blockchain part of it allows it never to go away, I think. Do you know what I mean? So like the blockchain part of it allows for this new structure to exist. I also think the big thing that I've hear a lot from artists in this space is the gallery system is really messed up and has been messed up for a long time. Getting yeah. into it is hard. How do you access it is really difficult. Um, and this opens up the door in a lot of ways. But yes, I mean, listen, it's it's not a solved problem, but I'm very fascinated with the opportunities going forward. Somebody somebody asked me the other day about this, like, why do you why are you that interested in this? And I said, like they they actually said, like, are you just in it for the money or are you one of these kind of crazy crypto, um, you know, utopians? And I said, I, not really either one. I'm not really interested in the money and I'm definitely not a utopian. I can see the downsides. But I think the thing I keep thinking about it with is 
it feels a lot to me like the, that mid 2000s web where like things were changing really fast and there are upsides and downsides to everything. And I would rather be learning about it and participating in it because if this is where we're going in the future, I'm better served by having an awareness of it than I am for pretending it doesn't exist, if that makes sense. It does. I'm very similar to Code Miko to VTubers. It's like, are you going to look the other way or are you going to try and engage with this and try and be a part of the future? Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> otherwise it might just pass you by. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Brian Brinkman, who is on Twitter at Brian Brinkman, and Brian is spelled with a Y. Gavin, thank you for sharing all these follows with us today. Thank you for educating me on NFTs. Before we go, let's make sure our listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Okay. Uh, I'm really mostly active on Twitter at, uh, at Gavin Purcell, G-A-V-I-N-P-U-R-C-E-L-O. But the big thing is please follow and subscribe to my new podcast, which is Way Too Interested. Uh, and it's available at waytoointerested.com as well as Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify. Eric has been amazing at helping me um, craft this podcast along the way. And I would not have been able to do it without him. Uh, and also I got the Gregory Brothers to do my theme song, which was super fun. So that was a really cool thing too. But um, those are the main places I'm at. I'm not really Really anywhere else online besides Twitter. And fair warning, the Gregory Brothers theme song will get stuck in your head. I am speaking from personal experience. It's so catchy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to this show, Follow Friday, in your podcast app. If you like this episode, then go listen to some past Follow Friday episodes, such as New York Times columnist Kevin Roos or the co-hosts of Under Understood, Regina DeLay and Adrian Jeffries. Follow Friday's theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. Don't forget, you have just three days left to claim your Follow Friday stickers at patreon.com slash follow Friday. If you're pledging at least $5 there, as of this Sunday, October 31st, I will send you a handwritten thank you note and a sheet of official stickers. Thank you in advance for your support. One more time, that's patreon.com slash follow Friday.